The following message is from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about LifeSource is available at lifesource.org.au. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to John 10.10. 10. I, I want to continue the series that we started quite a few weeks ago. Remember the series about five questions that God's going to ask us? How many of you remember that series? Okay, so now this is three questions that we need to ask each other. So one is what God is going to ask us. This one now is three questions we ought to ask each other. But before we get to that, let me talk to you about the two sides of the gospel. John 10.10 gives us the two sides of the gospel. I love John chapter 10 because there's this playoff between the good shepherd and the thief. So the Bible calls Jesus the good shepherd, and the Bible then refers to the devil as the thief who comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the thief. That's what he comes to do. So whenever anything is taken from you, that's the enemy taking good stuff from you. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So there's the two sides of the gospel. Number one, that you might have life. And that word life is the Greek word zoe, which means the God life, the eternal life. Jesus came that you might have the God life, the eternal life. But then the flip side of that is that you might also have abundant life. So so, so, so many people only focus on the Zoe life, the eternal life. Well, you know, my sins are forgiven, I'm going to heaven. That's awesome, man. If that's all we got, that's awesome. But you know, the beautiful flip side of the gospel is that you get that plus abundant life now. Plus the best life now. And I love that, that there's the two sides to the gospel story. The eternal life and the abundant life. The then and the now. The what you're going to get in heaven and what you're going to get now. How good is that? Boy, there's no losing in this. It's all winning. So here's a story to illustrate it. Luke chapter 8. Verse 36 is the story of this really, really in-your-face story about a guy that was in a really, really bad way. The Bible refers to him as the demoniac from the Gadarenes. And just that whole thing of a demoniac, someone who is tormented, someone under just evil oppression. And I, I believe in the power of evil to oppress people. And the fact of the matter is, is that you might have come across people, even this week, that are oppressed by evil, that are, that are uh, you know, just under this cloud, that are under demonic oppression. And, and the Bible talks about when Jesus sees this man, that Jesus came to release him, that Jesus came to set him free. Can I just declare this today? That there is no name that has more power than the name of Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. That is the most powerful name that you can utter. The name of Jesus. 
And let me tell you, it is my custom, if ever I'm facing any danger, I just subconsciously call out the name of Jesus. Even in my sleep. How many of you ever ever get one of those nightmares where you're being chased and you can't run fast enough to get away from what's chasing you? How, How many of you ever have that sort of dream? Well, I just call the name of Jesus and everything just gets better. Then in real life, if ever I'm facing danger, um, you know, I just call the name of Jesus. I can still remember this day where I was being literally charged down by a shark. How many of you have faced a charge down by a man-eating shark and it's coming straight at you fast? Well, let me tell you, what's on the inside comes out, literally. And sorry, I mean, some of you might get that wrong. I mean, I'm talking about in your spirit. Uh, What's on the inside of your spirit sort of comes out. And I remember underwater saying, Jesus, calling out. And that shark just came within a few feet of me and turned away. I've got a witness to that. Philip Kaladukas talked to Philip Kaladukas and said, tell us about the shark story that you and John had at Lady Elliot Island. And he can testify. He saw that shark turn around and disappear, not to come back, in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Don't you ever... Come on, if you're going to clap at any time, just there's power in the name of Jesus. And so that's what the demoniac from the Gadarenes had. He had Jesus speak into his life, release him from demonic oppression. But then what this verse says in Luke chapter 8, 36, it says, they also who had seen it told them by what means he had been demon-possessed and healed. And then the next verse, what does it say? Just bring up the next verse, 8, 36. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding, uh, eight, where is it? Luke 8, 37 says, then the whole multitude, sorry, the multitude of the surrounding region of, of Gadarenes asked him to depart from them. That's not what I was, it's verse 35 was what I wanted to focus in on. So can we put verse 35 on? Because they saw this man sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in all his right mind, and they were afraid. What they saw was this, not only had Jesus delivered him, but now Jesus was teaching him. So he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. What that means is that he's absorbing now what Jesus had to say to him. So Jesus gave him life, released him from death, gave him life, and now was giving him abundant life. He was investing in his life direction, how to move forward. So... So for us that are in the church, we have two theological words for this. We call it, are you ready for this? The theological words, we call it evangelism and we have discipleship. So evangelism is to tell people how to get released of their sins and have eternal life. Discipleship is about how to live life now in a new way. So discipleship is not about getting saved. Evangelism is about getting saved. Discipleship is all about how to maximize life, how to live an abundant life. It's that that flip side of the coin now. Now that you're saved, what do you do now? Now we do life at a God level. Now we do life at a Jesus level. Boy, if the whole world could get hold of this, we would have no more wars. We'd have no more anger. We'd have no more oppression. 
We'd have no more poverty. What do you mean? Because there'd be generosity released upon the planet. How many of you know that we've got enough wealth upon this planet to just get rid of poverty once and for all? You know, there's just, if every church did what we did, if every Christian did what we did, we would alleviate poverty. We would all alleviate poverty just like that because discipleship is about doing life at the God level, being kind and considerate and just to one another. So what are the three questions then that we ought to ask each other? So that was the introduction just to lay the foundation for the three questions we ought to ask each other. Are you ready for these questions? Number one, the first question you ought to be asking each other is, who are you inviting to church? I want you to try this right now. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, who are you inviting to church? Who are you inviting to church? We ought to be just asking that question. Come on, who, who are you inviting to church? Are you, why, why ought we be asking that question? Because it's here where people's lives are changed. So next week we've got John Mellor. And you know, who are you inviting to the John Mellor meetings? Who, who are you inviting? Uh, the week after John Mellor, we've got uh, Dr. Klaus Johns coming here all the way from Peru in South America. And Dr. Klaus Johns has built this amazing multi-hundred million dollar hospital on faith by God's grace to reach the poorest of the poor in Peru. And so he's going to come and talk to us a little about about the story of building this hospital in the middle of nowhere that literally is saving lives because God gave him direction to do so. How amazing is that? So who are you going to invite to that? Because I'm telling you, that story needs to be heard. You'll be inspired by the story. We've got Christmas coming up. Who are you inviting to church? You know, who, who are you talking to? Have you got enough love to, for people to know that if they can get saved, their whole life will be transformed? Because that's the motivation that we come from. It's not about us. It's about you. Because we know this, that the gospel is the power of God to change people's lives. Whose life has been changed by the gospel? Give me a wave if your life has been changed by the gospel. Well, if your life has been changed, then whatever you do, don't allow the enemy to gag you or for you to feel like you can't. You know, Anne and I went for a walk yesterday, so back. Let's go for a walk. So we go to our favorite place in the world. It's a, it's a place called the Boathouse on Shelley Beach. Anybody else like the Boathouse on Shelley Beach? Just awesome. Just, just love the ambience there. So we're sitting there having, having a coffee, talking, and um, there's this young family with a little baby. And so Anne and I are just hanging out for little babies one day, but we've got the church children that are our grandchildren, and so that's cool. But one day, we'll get our own that's coming. There's no pressure on my kids. Uh, I don't think any of them are here on the first service, so that's okay. That's okay. And, um, and so we start talking. And, uh, and so then, just after a little while, Anne, Anne sort of turns to me and says, do you think, do you think that we ought to just give this couple our name so that we can start a support if they need a support. Because they're sort of from overseas. They're from England. All the English people need support. It's part of, you know, they all, 
They all need support, but especially a young couple with a brand new baby. And so it was like, yeah, why don't we do that? So we gave them our names and address, well, at phone number at least. So, hey, listen, you know, we're available. We, we've got a whole church full of young families. So if you need a support network, we just want to make ourselves available. You know what? It didn't take a lot of time. It didn't take a lot of energy. But for them, it was, wow, you guys care. And that is one of the greatest gifts that you can give people, just this sense of caring and just opening yourself up so that you can just, just, just be available for people. Who are you inviting to church? Come on, turn to the person next to you, ask them that question. Who are you inviting to church? First question that you need to ask. Okay. And I'm not just talking about, well, people. I'm talking about names. You need to know names. Here's the second question. Are you ready for the second question? Who are you helping find the right direction? So here's the flip side of the coin. Remember the two sides of the coin. One is evangelism. One is discipleship. One is helping people find eternal life. The other is helping people find abundant life. So this is the flip side, okay? So not only are we got to be inviting people to church, to Christ, to the gospel. But the other thing that we need to be doing is helping people on their journey. So who are you helping in their journey? Who are you helping find the right direction? That's direction, not decision. It's my writing. I know that it is. But it's who are you helping find the right direction? Or even decision. You can add that. Can I just tell you that the world thinks they're going in the right direction, but it's pretty messed up. We live in a pretty messed up world. You know, yesterday was Halloween. I know Anne had a big thing to say about it. She gets angrier than I do. She's got that Welsh blood. (laughs) Watch out. But you know, I I was just thinking about this. I, I really just meditating upon it, that Halloween is the celebration of demons and spirits and all that sort of stuff. And the kids actually get rewarded for celebrating demons and spirits and ugliness and scariness. And it's like, it's cool. It's fine. And, and it's, it's catching in Australia. But low be tired if you want to put a Christmas nativity scene at schools these days. You know, or, or an Easter story. No, no, let's, let's replace Easter with the Easter bunny and let's replace Christmas with Santa Claus. So it's okay to celebrate Santa Claus but not the nativity scene. It's okay to celebrate the Easter bunny and Easter eggs but not Jesus dying on the cross for our sins on the third day raised from the dead. Let's not talk about that. But let's replace it with Easter bunnies and Easter eggs and Santa Claus and presents and Halloween and spirits. It's like, what is going on? Is, is, is anybody else sort of out there saying, what is going on? Can anybody else look at this and say, maybe there might be a demonic conspiracy at hand? Oh, no, no, no. You're reading too much into it. Am I? Uh, am I? Or is it like the emperor's new clothes? Nobody is wanting to talk about it because look at the emperor. Everybody knows he's naked, but now nah, look at his lovely new... Co- well, you know, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the educated can see the emperor's clothes. And one day, just took a little girl to say, <laughs> look at 
the emperor. He's naked. <gasps> what the heck? It's like, come on, it's wake up time. This world is going to hell in a handbasket, and we need to rise up and say something. You know, look, seriously, I don't want to be Mr. Anti. I want to be Mr. Four. But sometimes you need to say what's wrong in order to say what needs to be done that's right. And so can I just say that there is godliness and there's ungodliness. And godliness for me is found in this book. It's called the Bible. The Bible is still the most potent book that has transformed society. And people that take literally what this says and put it into place transform society. This is what I've noticed. Read church history. And you find that every society that's actually grabbed hold of the principles of this book has increased and become better. Then when those societies start to abandon the teachings of this book, they start to go downhill. So the United States of America, classic. When they first started, they started in God we trust. But now they're throwing the Bible out of schools. And so what they're doing is this. They're making Bibles available in prisons and not schools. And my thought is maybe if they made Bibles available in schools, they wouldn't have as many people in prison that need a Bible. I don't know. That's just my logic. Anybody else with me in that? So three things that we need to keep in mind when helping others. See, see we've got to be helping others get on the right track. Three things that you need to keep in mind. Number one is this. We all have value. Can I just say to you that one of the enemy's greatest deceptions is to make you feel of no value. But you know what the Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 8? That God created us just a little lower than Elohim. The translators couldn't even get this right. Because that Hebrew word Elohim, everywhere else in the Bible is translated God. The translators just said, no, it can't mean God. It can't mean that we were created a little bit lower than God. It must be we were created a little bit lower than the angels. But the Hebrew word is Elohim. The fact is that the Bible is very clear that we were created in the image of God. And so it makes sense. If we were created in the image of God, we were created lower than God. But how valuable are human beings? How valuable are you? How valuable is the person sitting next to you? I want you to turn to them right now and say, you are incredibly valuable. So stop devaluing yourself and start valuing yourself. Get hold of this. This is how much God values us, that he's actually numbered the hairs on our head. Who? I mean, my wife loves me passionately, but she has never taken the time out to number the hairs of my head. Never, not once. She hasn't even gone there, not once. My mother values me a lot, but she hasn't even gone there. My kids value me a lot, and they wouldn't even consider going there. It's just, Dad, stop embarrassing us. But God values you so much that he's actually aware of such an insignificant, such an insignificant fact as to how many hairs you've got on your head, let alone everything else. 
That's how valuable you are. You've got to keep that in mind. The second thing you've got to keep in mind is that we all have experience. And that experience is knowledge that can help somebody. Your experience is knowledge that can help somebody. So you, you have experience in two areas. You have experience in what you did that worked. And you also have experience in what you did that didn't work. How many of you got experience in that area? What you did that didn't work. And so, and so you know, even if you're a 10-year-old, you've got experience. You can help the younger ones. You can tell, if you're a 10-year-old, you can tell an 8-year-old, don't put your hand in the fire. That'll, that's bad for you. That's really, really bad for you. Trust me. I've done that. It's not good. Okay? So, so this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to devalue as a person and wants to devalue your experience just to keep you gagged. But you've got to come to a place where you say, I can help somebody. I might not be able to help everybody, but I can help somebody. And that's what makes you awesome when you just get this revelation that you can help somebody. He's... Here's, here's three steps that will help you solve people's problems. So it, it actually helps you solve your problems, but you can actually help solve people's problems without knowing the answer to every problem. Because who does? Is there anyone here that's got the answer to every problem? So I'm going to give you the three steps to problem solving right now. Are you ready for this? And you can actually put your problem in this, and then you can help with these three steps help anybody solve any problem that they've got. Are you ready? So all you've got to memorize are three words. The three words are define, describe, decide. They're the three words you've got to memorize. Define, describe, decide. That's pretty easy to memorize those three words. Now let me explain how those three words work in problem solving. You ready for this? First thing you've got to do in helping somebody solve a problem is actually define what their problem is. To define where they are at in their journey and what's caused their problem. What, what, where, where are they at? Define. Because most people actually think they're somewhere else than where they really are. Most people kind of think that they're better than where they're at until all of a sudden everything falls over. You know, I'm amazed that, you know, when people sort of, they just wake up in the middle of a scenario and it's like, I didn't realize it was this bad. How many of you heard people say that? I didn't realize it was this bad. Well, because nobody's helped you define exactly how bad the situation is. And so I found this, that in order for me to actually get to a destination, I've got to define where I'm at. How many of you know that the GPS, who's got GPS? This is the big question. Whatever did we do before GPS was invented? We got lost. <laughs> Good answer. I mean, we used to have roadmaps. How many of you know how to read a roadmap without turning it upside down and on the side? Huh? Uh, while driving, I mean, it's just, hang on, how do you read this? Uh, my wife is one of the most brilliant navigators. I am just such a blessed man that I've got a wife that can navigate without having to turn the map around. 
She's brilliant. Her geography teacher at school in Wales taught her how to read a map, and she's never forgotten it. And so forget it. I can't read a map in a car, so I drive, you direct. It's easy. Huh? And so then it's good because if she's directing, I've got somebody to blame if everything goes wrong. Okay. <laughs> anyway, let's not go there. Okay. The point is this, that GPS works on where you are at. And so that's, that's the whole principle of GPS. It's always working out where you are at. You need GPS in your life to work out where you are at. And that's the word define. Help people define where they're at. One of the greatest gifts you can help people that you can give people is to help them define where they're at, where their marriage is at, where their family is at, where their income is at, where their finances are at. Hello? Some people get themselves into horrible, horrible financial situations because they, they don't know how bad their credit card bill is. They just don't know. They don't even want to know. And so you've got to define where you're at. Second thing, you've got to describe where you want to be. Define where you're at, describe where you want to be. And usually there's a chasm between where people are at and where they want to be. So get them, get them to dream, get them to describe. So, so where do you want to be? So what, does, what do you want your future to look like? What is it that you want ahead of you? You know, so, so if I'm working with Teddy regarding her future, just finished the HSC. Hey, a big congratulations to all the people that have finished their HSC. Well done. There's Teddy over there, Timmy over here. Who else? Who else? Yeah. Wow. And I, and I heard that you ran an incredible 3,000 meters yesterday. Huh? So, so what, what time did you do 3,000 meters in? You ran 3K steeple in 10.27. I can't even do that in my car. It's like, so that's qualified you for the world championships? Come on, give her a great big applause. Who did she take after? Who did she take after? Mum. <laughs> hey, if there's, if there's compliments happening, I, I take that. So... So, so this is what I would be saying to the year 12 students that have just graduated. Okay, so, so what is it that you want to do? What, what, what is it that you see for your future? What is it that you would enjoy doing? Because one of the greatest things that you can do is be involved in anything that you would do without getting paid for. You'd, you'd actually want to do that even if you weren't getting paid for it. You'd love to do it. And so, so position yourself for something that you would do even if you weren't getting paid for. Whatever you do, don't position yourself for that which pays the most because that which pays the most doesn't give the most satisfaction. But life is enjoyed when you have the most satisfaction. So, what does, so describe what your future would look like. So, so we've got some brand new married people here. Just got married last weekend or the weekend before last. So I'd be saying to them, hey, what would you want your marriage to look like? What, what, give, give me the description. What would you like it to look like? Describe it. Get a vision. Something ahead of you. And then number three, decide what the next step is towards that vision. Decide. What's the next step? What, what, you know, because you just can't hope for something and not position yourself for the next step on how to get there. So there are steps towards getting what you see. 
So what's the next step that'll get you towards it? What is it? Well, hard work. Yes. And unless you're willing to change something, unless you're willing to let go of something, you can't take the first step. So, you know, I get people that go to seminars all the time. And so they've got the information, they've got the knowledge. What they don't have is how to take the next step or the willingness on how to take the next step. And the next step will always require you letting go of something. You've got to let go of something. You've got to let go. You've got to let go of something. What do you got to let go of? Can you define what you need to let go of? Then you've got to make the decision, but I don't want to. Well, if you don't want to let go of it, there's no way that you can get to where you want to go because you're allowed to get go. You're allowed to let go of something. And that's one of the things that Jesus says. You've got to let go of your sin if you want eternal life. Okay, let me finish by saying this is the third question that we need to ask. What was the first question you need to ask somebody? Who are you bringing to church? What's the second question? Who are you helping? Here's the third question. Who's helping you? Second question is, who are you helping? Third question is, who's helping you? Who's helping you? Because we all need help to go to the next level. Do you know what? I can't go to the next level without help. I need help to go to the next level. If I don't get help, I'll just stay at this level. Why is that? Because I actually don't know how to get to the next level without help of someone that's already there to help me to get there. And so there's no embarrassment in putting your hand up and saying, can somebody help me? Or to look for somebody that can help you. You know, there's no embarrassment. It's about going to the next level. So this is what God said when he created Adam in chapter 2, verse 8 of Genesis. It's not good that we should be alone. We can't do life alone. We need somebody that can help us do life. So God saved us. And then connected us to his body. So the the thing about salvation is that, so this is the next verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, is that God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he's pleased. So so this is what God has done. He's he's connected us. And so we need that connection. We're not designed to do life alone. We're designed to do life together. And we need people in our lives that can help us. And so you know what I'd be doing? I'd be doing, I'd be looking for somebody that's got what I don't have to help me get what I don't have. So, so if, if I'm struggling with my marriage, I'd be looking for somebody that's got a good marriage and saying, what did you do to get that and help me? If I'm struggling with an addiction, I'm, I'd be looking for somebody that's broken that addiction and get close to them and say, what did you do to break that addiction and help me break mine so that together we're stronger? Folks, we need help. Every single one of us needs help. And there's no shame in saying, I need help. There's no shame in doing that. And the beautiful thing about this church is that we've got a whole stack of people that are asking question number two, who can I help? They're already asking that question, who can I help? And so they're looking for you to help. But you need to be saying, who can help me? And so we've got this reciprocation. And what a wonderful way. I'm telling you, you want to be healthy? 
help somebody and have somebody help you. So if you have that whole mindset of actually I'm helping somebody and somebody's helping me, you are in great health. For those of you that are only helping others and nobody's helping you, there's something missing. And for those of you that are only looking for help but are not helping anybody else, there's something missing. For you to be helping, for you to be healthy, with one hand you're helping others and with another hand you're reaching out to somebody helping you. And, they, and you know what happens when that happens? We're connected. Look at that. We've got this chain of grace happening. And the chain of grace is right throughout the church. We're helping each other. I was almost going to get you to hold the hand of the person next to you right across the building, but I won't do that. But can you figuratively, figuratively see that with one hand? That's nice, Drew, reaching out to Ross like that. I saw that. Didn't miss that. Yeah, I've just advertised it. It's nice, a bit of bro love. Lovely. But can you figuratively see it? With one hand on this side, you're reaching out, I'm helping somebody. With one hand, you're reaching out, somebody's helping me. There's a chain of grace. Look at that. How beautiful is that? Right across the church, a chain of grace. And something flowing, something flowing right through. And then, and then when we're bringing people into that atmosphere, they're saying, man, that's the church I want to belong to. That's the place. It's not just a religious center. It's a life center. It's a center where there's, there's the source of life. Matter of fact, that's the church I want to go to, a church called Life Source, because there's life there, life there. Let me finish. The music's playing, so I need to finish. Huh? That's great, Amelia. We started with the imagery of the shepherd, Jesus, the good shepherd, who's come to give us life and life more abundantly. Let me finish with another imagery of the good shepherd. Luke 15 talks about the good shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one of them goes missing. One of them is lost. I love the story because what happens is that the lost person triggers the heart of the shepherd saying, I've got to find the lost one. And so the picture that we see is Jesus, the good shepherd, searching for the lost one. Do you know what? At some stage, all of us were lost. And at some stage, all of us can lose our way for whatever reason. But this is the heart of Jesus. He's always constantly looking for those that are lost. And he's searching. He's searching. He's searching. Can I just encourage you, don't play hide and seek with Jesus. He's the good shepherd trying to find you in your lostness, to put you in a place of blessing. The lost sheep is never maximizing life. It's only the found sheep that maximizes life. Why is that? Because life can be so dangerous when you're not surrounded by protection. And all Jesus wants to do is to bring you into the fold. 
All he wants to do is to say, come on, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I've come to give you eternal life and abundant life. Don't, don't, don't get out of the fold because that's, that's where you're exposed to the thief who comes only to steal, to rob, to destroy. He's out to damage you. He's out to hurt you. But I'm out to help you. I'm out to set you free. I'm out to cleanse you. I'm out to take the burrs out of your life, to take all that stuff and junk out of your life and to give your life eternal. Come on. Come on, he's calling. He's saying, where are the lost sheep? I want to bring them in. And today, you know, if you hear Jesus calling, don't resist him. Say, Jesus, here I am. I want to come into the fold. I want to receive your life and your life in abundance. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.